Welcome to The Blind Spot. I'm your host, Tina Lowe. This podcast looks to show everyone about making Ireland accessible for all. Hello, everybody. I have the pleasure of having Eleanor Walsh in the studio today to talk to us about her role as an advocate for people who have autism. I have never met Eleanor until today, so it's a pleasure to meet you, Eleanor. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you too, Tina. It's great to have you here and I'm delighted. And what, what, why we're doing this podcast is to promote Neurodiversity Celebration Week, which is taking place in UCD from March the 21st to the 25th. And so we, what we have decided to do is a number of different ways to promote this week. So we're having webinars, podcasts, discussions and there's even a, a movie to go to in the cinema in the student centre and so today what we're focusing in this podcast is on culture and arts and literature so as I say it's a real pleasure to meet you Eleanor and I'd like you to tell me starting from the beginning if you don't mind to tell me about your your life so everything about where you went to school where you're from and then we'll bring it up to your present work. If So go for it, Eleanor. Tell me about yourself. Okay. Uh, my name is Eleanor. I'm 26. I'm uh, an actor and writer and advocate. Uh, I'm originally from County Kilkenny. And um, that's where I was diagnosed as autistic when I was around four or five. Um, so it would have been very unusual at that time. So that was... You know, in the year 1999. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is unusual. Yep. Uh, for girls mm. to be diagnosed that, that early. And the, the reason I got that diagnosis is probably because I was acting um, a lot like an autistic boy, as, as would have been seen at the time. So um, I had a speech delay, so I didn't start uh, talking verbally uh, until a lot later than my peers. Um, I found... Um, I had really sensitive uh, sensory processing, so I would have a, a meltdown whenever my mother tried to bring me into a shop. Um, I generally found things overwhelming. I uh, I came across my original diagnostic report a couple of years ago, and it said something about how I I would um, uh, I would look into the into the mirror and like just make up characters and and talk to different people, which is something that I. <laughs> I still find myself doing. Uh, it's why it takes me so long to get ready in the morning. Um, so yeah, I um, I attended a school for children with special educational needs in Kilkenny up until uh, third class, up until I was around nine or ten, and then I myself and my brother were mainstreamed to the local national school in the village where I'm from. So that was a big change, you know. I was going from a whole school of 30 kids with four girls to, you know, a school of uh, 200, 300. And I was going from six in my class to 30 in my class. Uh, so that was a really big change in terms of, um, you know, having having to, to, to cope with this, this different environment. And also um, it was felt that I was, you know, I was doing, um, I was doing really well in the, special needs school and let's see how it goes with with no supports at the time I didn't know I was autistic you see uh, this is still a, a, a very common yeah. thing you yeah. know um 
parents not telling their their children or um, being unsure as to when or how to tell their children that they've got a diagnosis. Uh, it's something I cop- I come across uh, a lot. But um, yeah, so I didn't really know I was autistic until I was about uh, 14 or 15 when I'd been having a lot of trouble in, in secondary school, um, making friends or not making friends and struggling with all, all the, the coursework. And my parents sat me down at the end of the year and showed me my, my old reports from when I was a very little girl and said, oh, these people thought you might have uh, autism or Asperger's, as, as was the term then. Um, but we don't really think you do. And, you know, I read through these uh, reports and looked up autism online and it just seemed to explain my whole life and everything I was feeling and experiencing. Because, you know, prior to this, I thought it was, you know, um, I was just really bad at life. Really different, like you're saying. Um, (laughs) Really, really different and really um, bad at life and bad at living in ways I couldn't really explain. Um, yeah, so I didn't really get to fully uh, own my uh, my diagnosis or um, live a bit more in- independently with it until I uh, I went up to to college in Dublin and um, got to join the the disability service and I I call it almost my my second birthday you know the day where you know obviously I I, I came out you know I was born autistic because it's a developmental disorder. It develops in the womb, but um, that's the. I feel like that's the day my my sort of autistic life life began. started. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And Eleanor, can I can I bring you back to when you were a very young child? Yes, of right? course. So, how, did you say you have a brother? I do. Right, and what's your brother's name? Uh, Morris. Morris, and does Morris have autism? He does. Right. So is there any other children in, in your... Or sorry, brothers and sisters? No, it's just the two of us. Right. And we okay, both so autistic. it's really fascinating what you're saying because I've been reading a lot uh, and I have cousins with autism. Mm. But it's very interesting what you say, the way you described yourself as what they thought you, your behaviour was like an autistic boy. Mm. And the reason why I'm saying that is that um, my cousins, some of my cousins have um, different traits and what they say, which is very true, is that a lot, a lot of the times, ch- girls who have autism learn how to kind of mask it when they get older because they try to fit in more. Whereas sometimes I think boys are just being boys, if you know what I mean, when they're really young. So it's it's very unusual, like you said, to have been diagnosed so young. Yeah. Like, do you think, like, say, your parents were very aware? Um, very I, open and aware to because why did like it's very fascinating to me it's fascinating that they knew that you know you went to why did you go to that school was it that because it was years ago we weren't as mainstreamed is that right am I right there um, you know nowadays kids will be in more mainstream settings mm. it depends on the autism and their you know whatever their autistic traits are yeah. But you know what I'm saying to you? Like that was very interesting. So did you feel when you were in that school you were much more safe and understood and you know, because everyone around you had like you say, there was only four girls and is that right? <laughs> Twenty six boys. It yeah. must have been very 
a safe environment for like was did you do you think if you can remember you're only you're very young so I'm sure you can remember <laughs> like do, did you thrive in that setting I'm just interested I I did I yeah. I really yeah. did yeah. um because I, people everyone understood you yeah yeah yeah, yeah and exactly. the teachers and yeah and and so you you really you so you were there from four till what age four till about 10 and why did your parents move you was it so that you're in your local area was that why or that why was part you? of it yeah. uh okay. to sort of integrate us more into into the the community where you lived yeah, yeah into yeah. to where we lived yeah um and because as you say i was um over the years i had begun to 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 really thrive mm. in um in every way like you're be, you know you were probably more settled and i'm talking about say i totally understand all those um you know the trait not the traits but say if you if you don't know it's like when i lost myself first i never knew anyone blind so it was a whole new world and i had to learn everything mm. again and i was very angry and I, I just lots of things but once you it's funny when i was in the National Council for the Blind in the beginning. It, it, it's true, you, you can relax <laughs> yeah. around blind people because we're all blind. And so we're not judging each other and we're not, we can get it if we walk into each other, we don't have to keep apologising. You know the kind of thing? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're describing, say, in your childhood, in your classroom setting, it was a lot easier in loads of ways and you thrived. Yeah, well, I mean, back then... In some ways, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. didn't, you know, we were we were, we were was, kids and we didn't yeah, really yeah, know exactly each other by our diagnoses. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. You were just kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the way it should be. Yeah, but yeah. I definitely, um, you know, now when I'm around my autistic or neurodivergent friends, I feel the same as, yeah. as, as you described. You, yeah, because you can relate yeah. and yeah. you don't have to... You don't have to think about it. <laughs> That's it. So, so tell me then, when, what was it like when you went to the school first? Which was, did your brother go to the same school as you? He did. In, in the uh, sec or the was it a primary school in where you lived? Your second school, not not the as you call it, the special school. What what was it like? Did you you and your brother go to that school when you were ten or? Yeah. 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 So he was a little younger than me, but okay. we okay. Uh, transitioned. And how, how did your brother get on? Um, he got on okay, so yeah. he received um, uh, supports from an SNA, but okay. I didn't because okay. I've done so well with right. the they SNAs before. Yeah. That okay. why they would I need them okay. in the national and, school? And how did you get on then in the national school? Uh, I got on really well. Right. I, I was lucky to make friends. Yeah. Um, the The main barrier in my head at the time, or the the, the main thing I could see that uh, made me different to everybody else, was that in in, in my previous school, there was there was we didn't learn Irish, we didn't learn okay. languages. Right. Um, but I, in my new national school, uh, I I had to learn Irish from uh, scratch. Yeah, because uh, I, I couldn't apply for the and, exemption. And what was that like, language-wise? Would you be? Um, did you enjoy it? Did you learn it? Was it difficult? It it was kind of difficult. Mm. I remember, you know, this would have all been catastrophized in my head. But mm. I remember this feeling of like. Um, you know, if I, if you know, if, if there was this, there was this thing that I, if I couldn't master it, it you know, it might ruin everything. Whatever. So, so were you very? Meant. Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was, <laughs> I was reading something today about this. It was actually Des Bishop, the comedian, and he used that word catastrophized because hmm. he said he is, you know, it's a lot of anxiety in his early childhood, and it's funny. You, so, you would you say you're a perfectionist? Like, do you feel you have to be? able to master something very quickly yes yeah. <laughs> yeah so so trying to learn irish at 10 would have been quite 
very challenging, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to try and I had, you know, that first year to, to get up to the same standards as my classmates. Right. And uh, then. And you probably did, did you? Yeah. 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 From the <laughs> next year on, I, yeah. you know, I joined yeah. them so I could. Um, I knew a lot about like irregular verbs, right. but because <laughs> the rest of it had been really rushed, I I don't really still yeah. know how to say basic things. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you learned it. Yeah. So so you got on okay, and your ma- and your brother did okay, and mm-hmm. did it make you say make friends in your local community, or did, did yeah. that help? It yeah. it really did. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, when I talk about my local community, it's it's a village in yeah. rural Kilkenny that's yeah. about 800 people, the okay. last census, right. um, but that we didn't really get to know before just because we weren't going to the local school. And then all, all of a sudden that, that opened up. Right. You know? So that was a, a very good idea then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and tell me about your secondary then. Was that in the same area or did you have to travel to that um, secondary school? That was in uh, Kilkenny City. We didn't have to travel... Um, too far. Like too far. Yeah. You know, I went to a girls' school. Okay. A uh, girls' secondary school, um, yeah. which was uh, a very big transition that I found I found very difficult. I was lucky to go with uh, a couple of of my friends from national school. Right. Um, but I didn't understand. Like they told us at the start that oh, you'll have new different subjects and yeah. the days will be longer. Yeah. Homework on the weekends. Yeah. But there was other things. Timetables. Uh, Timetables. Yeah. But there's other things I hadn't been warned about. Like oh. You know, a couple of months ago, me and my friends would have would have played in the playground at lunchtime. But yeah. in you know, in first year of secondary school, there was no playing, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. playground. So yeah, what yeah. you did instead, you just had to like walk around right. and sit and talk. Mm. And then, um, you know, and I didn't really get why playing was all of all of a sudden forbidden and then um, you know, and we would talk about new things like my friends would start shaving their legs and I don't know who told us to start doing that but they would, you know, go, oh, feel my leg, it's soft. And Um, would you you be, say, someone who, like, you don't really do chit-chat or would that bother you? Um, I find uh, chit-chat and (laughs) um, kind of uh, difficult if yeah. I don't know the the the, the meaning the new, behind yeah, it yeah, or the the, yeah, the purpose. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I'd find so so it was challenging. It it was yeah. challenging. It was a big change. Yeah, it was a big yeah. change, and I found myself really struggling socially. And where did your brother go to secondary? Uh, my brother went to uh, another secondary school in Kilkenny, a school mm. for boys. Mm. And um, how did he get on? Uh, I think he he found it sort of the same. Right. Um, okay. You know, like I did, but plus toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So, and what about sport and hobbies and all those kind of things? Like, did you play, did you like playing sport? Did you play music? Um. So, my main thing was, was drama. I right. was in the... You loved... That's very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah I was in yeah. the local youth theatre in right. Kilkenny. Um, and even though I was having such a hard time socially at... At school, you loved drama. I loved drama because mm. I think you know mm. it might seem incongruous, but the um, you can understand. I can understand that totally. Like yeah. you, you can become, and you can. My one of my cousins is really good at um, drama, mm. <laughs> and and I, I I and he can he can memorize part of anything else. He can actually memorize scripts. Which makes it much easier. Mm. So he, and he can act, and it's kind of he thrives in it. Like it's very interesting. Yeah. So you 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 found something that you really loved. Yeah. Which is brilliant. That was my main outlet. Right. And then, 
you went, you did your leaving cert and um, you went on to, did you say you went to college? I did my leaving cert and I went on to, to DIT. So I Very moved up to Dublin. So you moved up, so what was that like then? Uh, a whole new change again. A, a, a really big change, but yeah. I guess, um, yeah, uh, a change that I got, uh, that I found really exciting and then I got a lot of, of support in because it wasn't like, you know, there was 20 of us in our class and we all got on really well, but it wasn't like, I wasn't sort of stuck with the same 100 people or 600 people <laughs> that I had been yeah. in yeah. Um, in secondary school. I mean, those 600 girls were very nice, yeah. but, um, you know, I wasn't trapped in a building that I, I, I couldn't leave. Yeah. You know, and uh, I did find it really hard um, to be uh, an autistic or disabled student studying drama, though. Um, because I was trying to, I couldn't see any autistic or disabled actors or theatre makers in the Irish scene at the time, mm. um, or, or really in the the, the, the wider acting um, uh, community. Um, and so I, I thought, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to, to mask or to pass right. as, as non-autistic, because I thought that's the only way I, was, I would have a career. Okay. This is before, this wasn't that long ago, between yeah. 2014 and 2017, but it was still before um, we started having all these uh, conversations about equality and diversity yeah. and representation that we're having now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also the term neurodivergent mm. and neurodiversity is is a relatively new yes. term. And I think it's really positive. You know, I think it's really opened up. I think it's 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 a really good way, but it has to be explained to people who don't know what it is, so... Yeah. But when tell me about when you were doing drama. Like did you live in did you live on the campus or how did you did you live in digs or what was that like? Uh so I lived in um at the time I went to DIT and DIT didn't really have student accommodation. This was before uh it all moved up to Grange Gorman. Oh, um so <laughs> we were all just scattered around the city. Uh, I lived in um, basically different types of like private student accommodation for 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 most of my time in college. Right. And um, I was um, I registered for the disability service, which right. was fantastic and really affirming. Helped. But given the nature of my course, none of the accommodations that they offered actually, um, I I couldn't really actually take advantage of them. So. Like, for example, exam support, is it? Or is that what um, you mean? Or both extra time? For or uh, both for exams and, um, and, and say, support and accommodations during lectures or right. tutorials. Because okay. I didn't have lectures or tutorials. Yours was very... Um, very uh, practical and on. up on its feet and hands-on and... Um, yeah. And did that suit you? Hands-on? <laughs> Much more or less? Um, it did, yeah. but there were there were times where I found, um, you know, I would find things overwhelming and yes. I would have to run out of the room and then come back 10 minutes later pretending that nothing was wrong. Uh, my lecturers knew that um, I told most of them that I was autistic and I right. said, I don't really know what this means for us, but we'll find. Yeah. And would you say it was, can you describe that to me? Is that like sensory? Is that when you, you would say... When you become overwhelmed, is that like sensory overload? Is that yes. what it is? Um, is it like noise coming at you from everywhere and 
lights and people and is it is that what it's like yeah uh ex- almost exactly as you described so nice. um it's not my sensory processing so how my my brain processes the sensory information nice. that, that that that's coming in does it differently sometimes it's um um, hypersensitive, like too sensitive, nice. or hyposensitive, under <laughs> sensitive. Nice. Okay. Um, and you know, when um, I don't have myself and other autistic people, you know, oftentimes we don't have the same filter for blocking out uh, background noise or stimuli that other people have. So we have to take it all in at the mm. same level and give so it all like the it same all attention. So it's like it all rushes at you. It all rushes at you, yeah. and it can really build up. Yeah. And if there isn't a way to um, to, to, to regulate that, yeah. then it can it can build up into a, a shutdown or a meltdown or right. sensory overload. Okay. And how do you, like when you were learning drama mm. in DIT and when that happened, what did you do? How did you manage that? Uh, often I would, um, I would have to leave the room and take some, take some time to myself, try and uh, stim. So I would uh, like like I'm like I'm doing here right now, flicking my fingers, okay. or um, or rocking because it helps um, okay. regulate okay. Uh, my senses. Okay. And I yeah, so I'd need a, a bit of time and quiet space away, right. and um, then of also afterwards when I was when I would get home, and sometimes I would I would I would need help getting home, like I'd right. need my friends to okay. walk me home or get me okay. a taxi or something. I'd need um, get, time and space make to recover. You very tired as well after oh yeah yeah you're just it's kind of like a big whoosh and then you need to sit down yeah 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 um yeah so yeah. i'd need uh a lot of uh a lot of time to rest afterwards and then you you could say go home rest and come back the next day and then hopefully you know so i, I it's very in- interesting that's why i'm asking you all this because it's brilliant to understand exactly because it's it's interesting. I know it's um, it's nothing the same, but when you're a blind person, you get sensory overload as yeah. well. Uh, sometimes it's like whoosh, everything comes at you at the one time, and it's like that. You need to stop, step back. Yeah. And I find with a guide dog, that's my stepping back. Okay. He's almost my kind of barrier to the world. You know, it's it's really interesting. You, everything comes at you. It's uh, it reminds me kind of of train station. Mm. You know that kind of feeling where everything there's da- trains coming in, there's announcements, there's people everywhere, there's noise, and suddenly you just feel overwhelmed. You know that kind of rushing at you. Yeah. So you need to step back. Mm-hmm. So you so you did your drama and you did really well, and you loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now, what did you do after? When did you uh, graduate? I graduated in 2017. Right, so it's only five years. Five ago. years. Wow. Yeah. So, and how have you been getting on since then, Eleanor? Talk to us about your your career. Um, I've been I've been getting on okay. I've been able to do some um really amazing things, like um, um, so at the start of 2020, just before the pandemic, um. I got. I was one of the cast of a show in the the Abbey Theatre on the Peacock stage called "What I Don't Know About Autism" oh. uh, by Jodie O'Neill, who is an autistic uh, writer and actor, and that was the first relaxed performance. Those were the first relaxed performances on the Abbey stage on the National Theatre, 
um, which is really important to me. So mm. relaxed performance is a type of assisted performance. For Ours. Uh, yeah. explain, explain that. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Explain that to the listeners. I don't understand that. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So there's a lot of um, unwritten rules that go with theatre going, right? You know, you you have to um, sit in a dark room with strangers for two hours and you're not allowed to move and you're not allowed to make any sounds unless something funny happens and then you're allowed to laugh. The audience. Yeah, the audience. Okay. And if you have to leave for for whatever reason, for urgent reasons even, you're not allowed to to, to come back in however much you spent on your ticket. Okay, okay, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, and... um, And regular theatre goers mightn't realise it, but uh, these are barriers that could make going to the theatre really difficult for a lot of people, including uh, autistic and neurodivergent people and their families. Mm. So in a relaxed performance, the rules of theatre going are literally relaxed. So um, you're allowed to, to move in your seat and stim and react to what's going on on stage in the way that you need to. Right. Um, the you're allowed to to if you go if you leave the auditorium you're allowed to come back in. Um, the lighting and sound cues might be altered or changed or removed so that uh, things won't get as overwhelming. So mm. things might be as uh, as sudden or loud or very bright as they might be in the original production, mm. and. Um, There's just uh, a different awareness and acceptance from everybody involved that um, you can you can relax in in the theatre. And it's something that I try to uh, facilitate for different companies and productions. Have you tried a relaxed performance? So let me show you. And And when when was that performance? Tell me that again. So there's been two productions um, in February 2020 and in November 2021, so Uh, just very recently. Uh, It was also streamed by the Abbey and recorded. And uh, now uh, we're trying to see if uh, we can take the the, the show on tour, both uh, us in person and the recording, so people can can watch it digitally Uh, or at home. And how many actors were in it? There's six of us, and right. four of us were autistic. Wow. Yeah. And and was the show describing what it's like, or was it about your experiences, or what was the show's content? So the show is very unique. Yeah. Um, 26 scenes, um, all, you know, taking uh, a different aspect of what it's like to be autistic and um, autistic culture and history in Ireland and abroad. And um, so there was one or two characters who had a, a through line that you could see throughout the play. But otherwise, there was a lot of things, a, a good few scenes where we just had to stand there and just explain stuff to the audience uh-huh. about autism so that they could go and, and watch the next couple of scenes. So and, it was very... could the audience ask questions? Yes, actually. Uh-huh. So there was two points during the show uh, called Question Time. Uh, where we would stop for for two minutes and let the audience ask us any question they wanted and we could answer it. And then after every single show, there was also a a Q&A as well because, um, you know, a lot of that audience would have heard a lot of very new things about autism and disability to them. Um, You know, it's um, a very educational show in a lot of respects. Um, That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And so you're hoping... 
is what's the name of the group that you're working with the theater group or so the the show is what i don't know about autism and yeah. it's uh jody o'neill who's the right. writer and okay. sort of brought us all together right and so is this is do you have a name of the group as such or like or if you go on tour how can people know you know what's the name how do they get tickets or oh we don't have uh uh, a company, I guess yeah. we're the What I Don't Know About Autism company. Okay, fair um, enough. Yeah. So if yeah. you yeah. search for that or yeah. if you search for Jody, So the plan would be to bring this out to the broader theatre goers around the country. Is that right? Yeah. Or maybe abroad? Uh, maybe. Have abroad. you come across this type of performance in um, other countries or uh, other theatre groups? Not really. There are a lot of... So um, the UK and the US would have different um, disability-specific theatre companies. Right. Um, like in the UK, Grey Eye Theatre or Definitely Theatre. Um, and the US has the National Disability Theatre. And there's different, um, there's different plays that have, that have touched on autism and disability in very different ways. Um, but I think um, ours is definitely um, one of the first or the first coming and, from Ireland. And do you think it's a very it's a good medium to inform people about what it's like having autism? Yeah, I think so. The theatre, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because especially th- with the w- the way um, our show did it, is that you could in front of you see the you know us autistic people on stage. Um, moving and as we do and sounding as we do and you could hear from us directly given the nature of the show but also I think you know a lot of people who mightn't be aware of or used to being around uh, disabled people mm. um, I think would have would have found that enlightening. And would you see the possibility of having a national teaser for people with disabilities? Do you think that's a good idea? Like you said in the states, uh, that I I think it would be really really cool to have like yeah. a national company yeah. of of disabled theatre makers, yeah. uh, disabled and neurodivergent theatre yeah. makers, because there's so many there's all these different disabled characters in the Irish theatre canon. If you if yeah. you look, you absolutely, know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know, it, to to actually see say uh, Billy in the in the Cripple of Inish Man plays with. Um, <sighs> Uh, by by a, a young disabled man or yeah. Rose Mundy from Dancing at Lunasa played by a neurodivergent woman. Yeah. You know, yeah. we haven't seen it yet, but when it happens, it's going to be, be electric. Yeah, but yeah, when's yeah, it going to happen? But but I, I think people like you are going to make it happen. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, honestly, because like uh, I think there's a huge potential for that because um, it is a great way of telling people. It's the reason why I think it's such a good way in culture and arts and theatre and cinema literature is it's people when they go to things like that they're going in kind of they're looking forward to it. It's it's a performance. It's it's a nice you know it's an evening out. It's a celebration. It's you know it's not a it's not work right. Mm. You're not going to a conference. You're not going to be kind of. It's not a lecture. Instructed, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, you know, like <laughs> lectured to, right? Yeah. So I think for that reason, it's a brilliant idea because it's it's a real, it's a nice way to, to learn and enjoy yourself and interact. And I think the questions and answers part is brilliant. 
That's it, Because exactly. people love asking questions. Yeah. And they love to know, and they're always afraid to ask. And the huge part of this is, you know, is the invisibility of it. Mm. Because you can see I have a guide dog, so you say, right, blind. Yeah? Yeah. But I look at you, if I could see you. <laughs> I don't know, I have no idea about anything about you except you're Eleanor, right? Mm -hmm. So, do you know what I'm saying? Like, that the invisible yeah. part of neurodivergence has to be difficult as well. It, it and is. people make assumptions. Yeah, so. yeah. People, yeah. I mean, um, you know, we all make uh, assumptions automatically. Yeah. Um, but I think there's, um, um, yeah, Making assumptions about people can be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, now, I, um, like you were saying, I don't. Um, my di my disability doesn't have. Um, I don't have a, a guide dog, or I don't carry a cane, or I don't use a hearing aid. Um, I don't have a big piece of autism kit. Yeah. Um, so um, it is possible for me, and it's not possible for every autistic person to try and mask or to. Pass as, yeah. as non-autistic, it is um, uh, it is a, a privilege, but it's also uh, a dangerous one. They say that um, autistic people who regularly mask uh, experience um, suicidal ideation yeah. at yeah. nine times That's the rate of their non-autistic peers. Yeah, um, say that. but it does, you know it. But the reality is that uh, in order to say fit in, fit in to mm. um, get and maintain uh, a job, yeah. or uh, to even just to to feel safe, uh, masking is is often very necessary. Yeah. It's very it's very hard though, isn't it? It's it's, and I think, I I honestly think in, like say even in my in, uh, experience. I lost my sight at 27, mm. and I'm 56 now, so I can see a massive difference in the way people are treated. And like you say, we, you know, honestly, like huge ch positive benefits in this university and lots of places, equality, diversity, inclusion. Like it still is really difficult, and you still will come across prejudices mm. and people making assumptions and stereotypes and not having any empathy and I think the empathy thing is massive and kindness yeah. but I, I have to say I do see a lot of really good things changing mm. and I think the term neurodivergence is brilliant because it, it's not obvious right yeah. and people have to think what are you talking about what's neurodivergence and that makes them think I think more than making assumptions like the classic stereotype that I think of all the time is, but I loved him, Rain Man. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I, I loved that film and I loved the portrayal and I thought he was fantastic. But that's what everyone thinks. Mm. And it's like, um, when they, anytime people's question to me is always, oh, but you must have really good senses. You must have really good hearing. And I said, well, actually, no, I don't. I can't, I've hard, I'm hard of hearing. Mm. But that's an assumption because they think just because you're blind, you can hear really well. Mm. So that's just stereotypes, but I do honestly think that um, things are changing for the be for the positive and the and now is the time. And I think there's a lot more respect. Like, do you think that's true? I I think so. I think people um, there's definitely a sense that people are are trying and are willing to uh, to learn. 
yeah. you know, are um, curious to, t- yeah. to, to learn more about people who are different from them. Mm. Um, even if they're not always sure, even if they get a bit nervous sometimes around, oh, I don't know the right the right terms or I, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get it wrong. Yeah. Um, because sometimes language gets in the way, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. but, um, you know, or sometimes, you know, um, there's this thing of people, you know, fear being called bigoted more than they fear actually being bigoted. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. Things have, have, have changed so much, even in the last 10 years. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it makes me really, really hopeful. Um, that was one of the, the things about what I don't know about autism and the question times, it wanted it to, you know, for people to feel okay that if they, they came not knowing something, you know, yeah. and to, to create Just a, a safe space for want. that. Yeah, ask, yeah. What ask what you want. And always, like, I think curiosity and, you know, inquisitiveness is a, is a great thing. Mm. And empathy. And, and empathy, yeah. Mm. And once you're not, like, yeah, empathy is the big thing. And that's, if, that's something that we need to all think about before we do anything i think mm. and it really helps you know yeah because it's just there's so many different things in life and so many interesting ways of thinking and i think say channel four for example mm. is is an amazing station for yeah. informing people about everything to do with disabilities as well as all the other things you know i think it's really good so what what are your plans now eleanor to to roll out this national theatre. <laughs> um, uh, I'm taking applications. Please apply. Um, I'm I'm writing my first play at the moment. Wow. And um, I'm currently um, still consulting on uh, relaxed performance and you know showing uh, theatres and companies how they can make things more uh, sensory friendly and more inclusive for autistic and neurodivergent people um, and I'm uh, an autism advocate as well April is coming up World Autism Month so that's going to okay, be very good um, busy um, nice. fun maybe yeah. uh, would, would you give public talks or how do you do yeah. that yeah so I'm good. also a member of as I am's uh, oh, yeah. youth ambassador panel oh, very good, very uh, good. as I am is the national yeah. charity and advocacy organization for autistic people yeah. in Ireland yeah yeah yep. it's a great organization yeah Adam Harris Adam Harris yeah yeah <laughs> it's brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. So I love it it's brilliant yeah and um so that's that's really good and Say, where are you based now? Are you are you in Kilkenny or? Uh, I'm based up now? here in Dublin. Right. Yeah. So you're getting on well. I'm getting on well. Yeah. Very good. And um, today we were going to have another guest with us today, Jenny, mm-hmm. great person from Molly Museum, and that's is that a space that you have been to? I have been to because I think that's amazing. It like, is um, fantastic for sensory, isn't it? Like. It is. And it all the voices, you know, the, the actors reading out the pieces of literature. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. is that a kind of space that you enjoy? Um, it, 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 it really is. Moli is a, it's a, a fantastic space. It's um, a really nice almost retreat in the middle of Dublin City. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it feels very um, bright and welcoming. And there are the, you know... That literature is brought to life, as you say, by yeah. the, the the actors. But it's also there are a lot of quiet spaces in it as well, which is very nice. And do you, you know, they they have the lovely garden, and yeah. in 
this campus here in UCD, we're developing a sensory trail. Oh. And is that is that something that um, you would enjoy as well? Like, does that part of your life, nature and calm and quiet spaces, like, does that help when you're having a bit of a, say, you're working really hard and you suddenly get, we'd say the train's coming at you, mm. sensory overload. <laughs> would you go to nature for, would that help? It really, really would, yeah. yeah. Um, so you go for a quiet space with a few trees and nice bit of water and bird song or something like that. Yeah? Yes, indeed. Yeah. The the sensory trail that's being developed here sounds amazing. Well, what we're doing is we've, we've the, the campus has beautiful woodlands and areas and we're just connecting them all up and trying to make each area more accessible. Okay. So, you know, so that people can, anybody can enjoy it. But it's also deliberately picked for quiet peace mm-hmm. off the beaten track um nature and just bird song you know especially Fantastic. or just quiet mm-hmm. so you can have peace in this very noisy world yeah mm-hmm. so that's 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 the idea behind it so so can i say to you eleanor it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you i really appreciate everything and um, you've been really open and very informative and I think I'm, I'm expecting, I should, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'm, I'm hoping and expecting great things to come from you. <laughs> so the best of luck, okay? Thank, you, thank you so, very much. so much for having me, Tina. You're, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Blind Spot. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Until next time on The Blind Spot.